Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, chocker with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Chur. Kia ora, morena, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Kei how are you all? Well, Kate Pai, I am good. I am cold. I'm freezing cold. Winter has really hit uh, here in Wellington, uh, Teotihuacan, New Zealand now. Um, and it's dark and it's cold and it's wet and I hate everything about it um, because I like it when things are warm and you don't have to put on a million layers to walk around. But hey, welcome to winter. Um, so. Uh, our episode today is a bit of a grab bag of messages again, um, various responses to recent episodes. Um, I also have a new Patreon to introduce to you, uh, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. New Patreon. You. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to do something special there. And uh, then we're going to play some My Little Ponies. So, yeah. Let's get into this grab bag of awesome voices that I want you to hear. Okay, let's go. Who's up first? Jules, Jason here. Thank you so much for asking, answering my unintentionally offensive question. Thank you for seeing what I was asking, not what the words I was asking actually were. Thank you for understanding what I meant as opposed to what I ignorantly said. I very much appreciate your answer. I wholeheartedly uh, agree with you on the things you're saying there. And yeah, definitely. If whatever somebody wants, however they want to be referred to, well, it's polite to refer to them that way. I mean, this should be common sense 101. I know it's not, but I don't know. It, it, It is sad that you have to go on rants like that. And it's sad that I ask ignorant questions. But thank you so much for having as much patience with me as you do. So, okay, off to listen to the rest of the show. Hey, Jules, it's BJ. Um, I appreciate your uh, your comments, uh, your little rant there on um, gender. I guess it wasn't so much about pronouns, but just, just gendered terms, masculine versus feminine terms for the same thing. Uh, I thought you made some very excellent points. Uh, and not to not to make light of it because I'm not, but <laughs> I started laughing when 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 uh, Jason said dungeon mistress because I immediately thought, and I I googled it and this bears bore this out. Google the term dungeon master, and then open another tab, and Google the term dungeon mistress, and you're going to get a very different set of responses. I think I think the term dungeon mistress already has its own connotations and its own thing of what it is what has well I'm not going to say it has nothing to do with role playing but it definitely definitely does not have anything to do with uh, the sort of tabletop role playing games that, that uh, uh, we talk about in our, our particular hobby um, so <laughs> not to make light of that but yeah it's a very different um, Already, I think it already has a meaning that uh, well anybody who can't get tell what I'm getting at can just google it and find out for themselves um but anyway yeah uh made some great points there so um, enjoyed that episode take care
So BJ, yes, yes. Um, that was BJ from Arcane Alienist and Jason from um, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Um, yeah, BJ, that that is quite a different uh, thing, that type of dungeon mistress. And, and another reason I don't really want to refer to myself as that. Uh, <laughs> there's some mixed connotations there. Look, there's already enough confusion when people are like, oh, what were you doing last night? And I'm like, oh, it was really cool. I had a group of people in the dungeon and I was like eating them with acid and stuff. And it was awesome. You know, um, there's, yeah, yeah, there's enough confusion going on there without adding to it, uh, wondering what I was wearing at the same time. Um, <laughs> And just, yeah, no worries, dude. Um, like I say, we're friends and we know what each other means when we ask dumb stuff. Um, I've asked plenty of dumb stuff and that actually wasn't that dumb. Um, in terms of, hey, Jules, what do you want to be called is a pretty sweet kind of question. I just was uh, feeling the need for a rant reply, apparently. <laughs> okay. But awesome call-ins, lads. Um, love your work. Uh, who's up next? Hey, Jules, it's Joe. I am 100% on board with you and Jason in terms of it being the entire table's responsibility for fun. You know, it's not just a DM's job. It's not just a player's job. It's everybody's job because we're all on the same team playing the same game. But let me tell you a funny little story about a dungeon master who did not feel they had any responsibility for the fun of the table. So this was years ago. We were planning a birthday Pathfinder one-shot for Woody. He wanted to play Pathfinder on his birthday, higher level. Woody wanted to play a magic user he was super excited about playing a magic user our Pathfinder dungeon master was like cool I'll build a one shot show up to the game every single encounter every single enemy everything was just flat out immune to magic it was nuts dude Woody absolutely hated it he just got super wasted I got really wasted the game wasn't all that fun and it was just like crazy it's like why would you do that it was his birthday anyway back to the show wow wow who does that to someone on their birthday like goes oh yeah you're playing a magic user uh-huh and it's your birthday uh-huh i'm gonna kick you in the balls constantly um that is so mean so mean i can't believe that on my player's birthdays i've like made health potions and and yummy snacks that are relevant as well as like making sure that they have a great game by like giving them you know um inspiration so they can roll again one time and that kind of stuff you want people to have a fun time on their birthday otherwise what is the damn point um (laughs) that's horrific horrific who would do that god if somebody did that to me i'd be so mad Oh, and uh, as far as uh, Barbarian's Rage, um, <clears throat> I think particularly in 5e, if you look at the mechanics of it, it they just kind of call it Rage, but there's nothing about, about it that implies the Barbarian's angry. I think the, the term Rage is just a holdover. Um, they're really, to me, I've always, re- I've read that as just sort of, they're in sort of an enhanced kind of altered state of consciousness, consciousness. So you could call it a Barbarian Rage if you're playing a kind of a, traditional berserker kind of character but you could also call it just a battle trance um like a totem barbarian might be channeling the spirit of a bear or a wolf they're not necessarily 
angry. They just got a heightened sense of um, a heightened presence and a heightened reactions and heightened um, abilities. Or um, you might have like a dervish who just goes into kind of a, a spinning, you know, dancing battle dance trance kind of thing. So I think battle trance is a, is a good al alternate. So when you talk about barbarians and rage, you know, and riffing a little bit off your Captain Planet thing, in the DC comics, you have the Green Lantern, right? And everybody pretty much knows the Green Lantern. But later on in the comics, they ended up having the whole rainbow assortment of different colors. So you had pink lanterns and red lanterns and all this. And, you know, they, they each kind of did different aspect. And, and it's been a while since I've read. I, I really don't, I can't give you a whole lot of examples. But you could definitely do barbarians like that. I, I don't see why you couldn't. Like you say, it could be love or it could be empathy or it could be, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I guess you could do sadness. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That might be. I, I mean, I guess if you want to do the goth thing, right? I, I don't know. Jo Joey would have to tell us about the goth thing. But but I'm sure there's different ways you could do it. So, okay. I've talked myself into a corner now. Yeah, I like battle trance. I think I think I think that's kind of a cool way of explaining that you are hyper focused and you're able to do these extra attacks and stuff. Um although the attacks are still reckless, but maybe you're reckless because you're just protecting your friends. You're putting them first instead of yourself rather than like your anger makes you dumb and leaves you kind of um able to be attacked easily afterwards and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think, I think, um, I've been reading a bit of what's it called? Dark sun as well, where, um, other like clerics and paladins and stuff don't draw their, um, their powers from gods so much as like other places like paladins, draw their strength from their very morality you know and and that kind of thing and it's interesting to think about powers coming from somewhere else other than like the gods or like rage or like yeah I don't know it's it's a fun concept to think about that because it opens up more role play opportunities which is my favorite thing about it um I'm always looking for different ways to role play my characters not necessarily to mechanically change them because I never really want to do that I like the rules of the game I think they're great um I play the game as it is played I guess but um you can always reflavor things um to f more fit with the character that you have in mind which is cool cool and I like the fact that the game encourages that too okay so who's up next oh I know who's next um I need to introduce you to my newest gem my newest Patreon, um, and to do so, I'm going to do that because, uh, they spent a bit of time replying to my D&D &D tag, um, which is awesome, uh, and I definitely encourage anybody else who wants to to do this, you can send me an audio file of your own making, that's totally fine, um, and I'll play it into the show and we're ready to go. So who is it? Who is it? Who's up next?
Hey, Jules, good morning. Since I brought this up, I guess I owe you the D&D tag. Um, it's kind of cool and fun. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully I remember everything that I... Some are easier than others, right, as you know. So what was your first D&D character? I believe my first D&D character was from the basic set way back in 1980, I would think, maybe 79. I don't know. It's been a long time. But uh, it was a dwarf using the BX system. It's racist class. It was a, just a dwarf. I believe, I believe his name was some form of Mungo. Um, I recapitulated him or have recapitulated him in Jason Hobbs' Kalmata game, uh, Mungo Lives. So, yeah, dwarf. And I guess in AD&D, it became like dwarf fighter, right? Just a, just a dwarf. So my D&D class is the least favorite to play. I Honestly, I don't like barbarians. I think they're one-trick ponies. I guess I agree. But they're not as cool as ponies. Um, but they, they just do the same thing. And it's kind of dull to me. So I would not want to play a barbarian. Uh, who doesn't like a beat-em-up? But, I mean, I played a barbarian in 5th edition um, in one of Kevin Madison's games. And it was fun, but all I did was rage and attack, right? Nothing. I didn't get to do as much as a problem solving as the other players. I just kind of like, well, what do you do? Well, I just stand watch and wait for something to attack, you know? You know how it goes. Anyway, the spell I would like to have most in real life, I'm on number three, teleport. Uh, for the reasons that you stated, you can go in and out. You can travel the world. Hopefully um, the teleport has is spell is baffled against the uh, laws of, um, what is it, momentum, because a lot of heat apparently is generated uh, because of the velocities that you you hyper-realize. So I know like in um, uh, some of Larry, one of Larry Niven's Ringworld um, tales, uh, they had like teleportation booths around some world, probably Earth. Uh, Larry Niven, science fiction writer, one of his short stories, that is, and they, the teleportation booths had baffles, and a way that terrorists would uh, operate would be to remove those baffles so that there'd be big explosions when one teleported. But since it's magic, I guess uh, we don't have to worry about the uh, laws of physics. So my favorite D&D monster. Well, I need to pause to think about this one. Gotta say it's also Beholder. but uh, And I've used them a few times in the games, and each time they're very harrowing. Uh, uh, in any incarnation of the game from any D&D first through to 2nd edition to 5e and even in Pathfinder um, I've used Beholders and they're always one of those uh, oh fuck moments for players because they know they're afraid of that disintegration ray that turned to stone getting charmed or you know taken dominated to fight your own your own party yeah it's all sorts of fun and the anti-magic ray is a pain um, a challenge, I would say, for any magic-using player, and they got to figure a way to to uh, work around that. So uh, Beholder is a great challenge, fantastic monster, and I've used it multiple times. And my favorite villain, my favorite villain, it's going to be, sorry, it's going to be in Pathfinder, not necessarily D&D. Villain is from the Rise of the Rune Lords. Joe Richter would know this person, creature well, person well, villain well. Her name is Zanesha. It is a Lamia matriarch, and she was super tough. Um, she was a member of a, more, more or less immortal. Um, she lived in the heavily populated city, and she was first encountered 
by a party that I ran, a party that I played, and I think Joey ran into Zanesha, and she was um, at the top of a clock tower and was a very tough fight. But what's crazy, although she was slain by a band of adventurers, she did not rest in death and rose up as a ghost. So they reused her um, in um, Return of the Rune Lords. So she was in Rise of the Rune Lords, and she was encountered again in Return of the Rune Lords, both Pathfinder Adventure Paths. So uh, the immortal, the undead, Zanesha, uh, the Lamia Matriarch. So, you know, Lamia Matriarch, for your listeners, is um, uh, uh, half woman, half snake, the lower uh, body of a snake, the top half of a female humanoid. Um, So, yep, pretty uh, tough and devastating and a great reoccurring villain, apparently. So um, tough fight, one a very memorable villain uh, that I have thrown against the players. So what else? What's next? Next, um, number six, has one of your characters ever died and what killed them? Don't have a lot of character deaths because, well, I don't play a lot, but um, one character death that I find memorable from recent memory is I rolled up this wizard um, for Jason Hobbs' Kamada game and... Um, he actually did pretty well in a few encounters, and in one encounter he cast a sleep spell, which is pretty powerful in many incarnations of D&D. It kind of took out a lot of, or put to sleep a lot of creatures, and except for one creature, which, well, that's it was dubious that that creature did not go down, but in any case, that creature just, uh, you know, this is a first-level mage with, like, less than five hit points. Uh, that bad guy fired back and killed the mage with a volley of magic missiles um so that is what killed them my best natural 20 story is probably not from my playing it's actually from being you know being the gm in a game and this was way back i would say in first edition ad and and i mean the critical a critical was sort of a house was a house rule actually from a dungeon magazine or a best of dungeon and we had this chart and all this kind of stuff and the best natural 20 story was, uh, it was like a combo. It was like a combo 20. So um, there was this demon across this uh, pit of fire, and the one-armed uh, paladin of Tyre, he uh, leapt over, leaped over the pit of fire, having to roll a natural 20 to succeed. And then he hit the demon with also a natural 20, so um, it was a pretty epic mini scene in an overall big fight as they were trying to, um, I guess, cleanse this uh, important, uh, I guess, important site, holy site uh, of the forest from this demonic influence. And the Paladin of Tyr having cut off his hand uh, to mirror what had happened to his god um, did pretty awesome. The best natural one story... The best natural one story, I think, was against um, an enemy, and it'll actually relate to number nine. Um, but um, so we were fighting this ghost-like creature. Uh, this is a Hyperborea game, so not quite D and D. Well, I mean, a D and D rec clone. But to my uh, warlock, uh, Iphigenia Contadoros fired a lightning bolt. The um, ghost failed their saving throw um, on the first you know, pass of the lightning bolt. And if you cast lightning bolt inside, it kind of bounces off things. 
then it bounced back and that ghost rolled a natural one and was not quite destroyed but forced to flee uh, and that kind of leads into number nine I, I don't play a lot and i've had players get up to level 20 and 3.5 never in in D D or not in D D five yet i've had characters get into the teens in uh, a D D first edition but my highest level characters i mean i really don't play a lot has been this uh now seventh level warlock iphigenia accountadoros so um so yeah, I mean, and I think my favorite magic item has got to be a Holy Avenger and the most memorable Holy Avenger. And I just like him. I, eventually, if you play long enough of my game, undoubtedly the paladin in the party will get one. But my favorite Holy Avenger is from an old Al-Kadim product. That was a second edition AD&D, kind of in the, sort of the Arab-flavored land. Um, and it was a Holy Avenger called breaker of the ninth chain but curiously it was also cursed that it would um it would uh, accidentally lead to the downfall of those close to you and actually the first time that a player used it uh, to great effect against an undead or mummified behir um, he rolled a one in combat and like i said we had a house rule about criticals and fumbles back in ad and d and uh, from the uh, dragon magazines i think i said dungeon earlier dragon magazines and he rolled a one we rolled on the table and it was strike uh companion and he struck one of his trusted uh uh i guess soldier guards i guess he had a it was a nobleman a noble character and he had a like a bodyguard he struck one of his loyal bodyguard and killed his bodyguard so the curse manifested but it was a very powerful sword that was used against uh um to be it was to be used and it had its special purpose was to slay a, a sect of magicians called geomancers and one of the sort of adventure paths that they had back then you know multiple uh, adventures they didn't call them adventure paths back then but there were uh stories or adventures that could be strung together to make a an overall campaign so uh, that's it breaker of the ninth chain has been my favorite magic item and as a generality, it's the Holy Avenger. In real life, I think my alignment would be a neutral good. Uh, while I, I try to be a law-abiding citizen, there are some laws that are just uh, not right, and one should do everything they can to um, oppose those or fight against those types of laws that uh, get, give away your liberty. Um, I'm very much of a libertarian, so uh, don't touch my money government and don't tell me how I have to live um, if I don't hurt anyone else. Right. So don't, uh, don't make laws uh, that regulate my morality. I guess that's it. So, um, so I think it would be neutral. Good. Um, if I had to date one of my characters, which one would I pick? That's a curious question. I don't think I would date the dwarf and the way I've conceived Iphigenia uh, she's kind of a bit mean-spirited. But I did play a uh, ranger cleric of Kelimvor once who was uh, kind-hearted, good, good to animals, uh, definitely went out of his way to protect his companions. So I'd probably date my um, ranger cleric of Kelimvor back from the Forgotten Realms days. I think that was, I want to say that was 3.5 days. So, um, so yeah, um, that's who I would date, I think. Um, 
is there a character I would want to play but haven't had a chance to play yet? So, right, I play a lot of dwarf fighters, rangers, ranger clerics. Um, I, I don't know. I've never tried out playing a bard, whether that would be a gnome bard or a halfling bard. Would I be able to get out of myself to play a bard? That would be pretty fun. And I think bards are, especially in 3.5 on up, when they can cast spells as well as buff the party, that would be kind of cool to do, I think. Uh, so more of a support character. Uh, maybe it'd be a challenge because I like to get up front, get things done, and get things going. Um, so a support character would be a challenge, I think. Um, am I a dice goblin or a dice minimalist? I feel like I used to be a dice goblin. I may be stepping back from that. I know in, in a Kickstarter, I'm like, oh, I got custom dice for this particular Kickstarter, but then I have boxes of unopened custom dice. So I think I'm stepping back. I would say I used to be a dice goblin, and now I am uh, becoming a, more of a minimalist. I use the same set of dice, uh, one set of dice, and maybe a few extras here and there, but that's about it. So I think, man, am I on question 15 already? So what rule mechanic have I never been able to wrap my head around? I honestly, well, I love this mechanic. I love the morale mechanic. I can never remember if you got a roll high or low, and I always have to look it up. So I don't know what, I'm, why I can't quite wrap my head around it. Maybe because, yeah, I don't know. Because I think there's a contrary rule or a rule that's similar that you have to roll high also. Is it that you have to roll high or low? So that's probably why I get confused. Um, is it high or is it low if the whether or not the bad guys break in a morale check? So again, I always got to look it up. But uh, thanks for uh, encouraging us to do this, Jules. It's probably a little long. I don't know if you'll put it into a podcast or you have like a, um, guest appearances doing this, but uh, there, that's DM tag, you're it, or D&D tag, actually, you're it. It's Kyle! That's right, Kyle from Geomologist is Jules's newest jam. Welcome to the crew, Kyle! Really appreciate you joining on um, and putting all that effort in. It was really fun learning a bit more about you and um, your D&D. And awesome to know that, like, we cross over in a few places and stuff. We have the same, like, favorite monster and stuff. I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. New friends. I love it. Um, So, oh, what have we got? Oh, ponies. Ponies is next. Yeah, let's play some ponies. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? My little pony, my little pony, friendship is magic. Hello ponies and welcome back to playing Tales of Equestria, a dragon's bounty, sort of a pick a path adventure. Um, if you've been playing, hopefully you've been listening along the entire time, but if you haven't, we're in the middle of our adventure, so maybe go backwards and listen to uh, the start of it. Um, but for those of you, oh good. Oh, I apologize um, that you won't caught me by surprise. It is quite early here and I'm recording in my car um, before work. So 
For those of you who have been listening, we had an interesting choice. We had to uh, find our way through the twisting tunnels and we did find a map. A map which you can see posted on my Patreon page, Jules from NZ. So if you go look that up, and I'll make sure I put a link in the notes, um, have a look at the map and that might help you figure out which direction we should head in. But for now, we've got a bunch of Collins to talk about whether we're going north, west, or east from here. Let's see what they say. Okay, so here's my pony vote. There's, um, It's based on nothing other than Section 75 is the biggest number of the ones you mentioned. So I think that was... I don't remember, but I want to go to Section 75. I don't remember what direction it was. I also got to say that Pink Phantom's <laughs> image of what happened there with Firebrand was hilarious. Dude, I love the idea of... Firebrand getting pulled towards a goblet instead of vice versa, man. So, Pink Phantom, the thing that cracked you up also cracked me up. So, thanks, dude. Anyway, Jules, that's my vote. Peace out. I think we should always go left when we're in a maze. I don't know. I guess as a player, I heard that somewhere. I don't know if any of the ponies would have heard that advice or somewhere. But you continue going left. So, I guess that is west if we're facing north. But then again, if we're facing south, that could be east right so which way are we facing i guess i will assume we are facing north looking back at the way we came so we will go west go west young pony go west hey jules jason here sorry for the late call i think we should go west if i read the map right that's going towards the dragon's horde so maybe the ponies will find some kind of explanation there so that's my vote Hey Jules, Pink Phantom here. Uh, I think the ponies should go east because it looks like that way might eventually lead to the dragon's horde. And who knows, maybe there's something going on in there that's got the dragon all stirred up. I mean, if somebody disturbed my horde, I know I would be pretty stirred up. So ponies, it's a dead tie. And what do we do with a dead tie? Well, Jules rolls. <laughs> so we have... Uh, a dead tie between west and east. So I've got a d6 in my hand, and I'm going to say 1, 2, and 3 is west, and 4, 5, and 6 is east. So where are we heading? Okay, uh, that is a 5. So we're heading east. I wonder what will happen. You are in the Twisting Tunnels. Perhaps you could find a map under something. We do have a map. From here, the tunnel splits three ways. One path goes north, another goes south, and another west. So, our options today, ponies, are north, south, or west. North 16, south 53, west 3. I would advise you to go to my Patreon and check out that Twisting Tunnels map or we're going to get lost. And that is a wrap. Who says that? Somebody on the Anchorite says that at the end of their episode on like the, the ending part. And that is a wrap.
I cannot bring the voice to mind right now. Um, it's so funny that I've been listening to some of the anchorites for so long, like their bits and pieces are just burnt into my brain. <laughs> but my memory is so bad. Like, yes, your bit is burnt into my brain, but who are you? Nope, no idea. <laughs> uh, my brain is weird. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> let's get out of here. Personal big thanks to my gems, who I could not do this show without. That's James, Jason, Barry, Liren, Zekiel, KP, Joey, Dusty, and our newest Patreon, Carl. Welcome to the crew. Um, big thanks to all of my call-ins today. Oh, God, I forgot to do the thing where I write them down. Um, we had Pink Phantom. We had Geomologist Presents of Carl. Uh, we had Joey from Hindsightless. We had uh, Jason from Nerds IPG Variety Cast. And we had BJ from Arcane Alienist. I'm pretty sure that's everybody. If I got that wrong, um, sorry. Um and if you're enjoying listening to Jules from Inzad, you've dropped by to give this show a go, please give the show a review on the platform of your choice. It all really helps. Um, you can find me on Twitter as at Jules Bergser and pretty much everywhere else as at Jules from NZ. So, enohora, kakitayano, and aroha nui. Goodbye, I will see you again soon, and I love you lots. Nohora mai. Take care of yourself. Stay well. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye-bye.